Wow, Josh, look around you, look your 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 uh, current environment, and describe what you see. It's not your office. It is not. Yeah, we've uh, officially. So I, I should say substantially completed the new podcast room. And by we, I don't in any way mean me. Or me. or Yeah, or you. But construction has been going on behind the scenes by some very capable people, judging from the appearance of this. And uh, we have an entirely new setup. We're not sitting in your, in your office with right. the mood lighting. We're sitting at official podcast table uh, with right. official podcast mics. And right. we have official podcast sound uh, deadening things on the wall uh it it's quite an amazing setup there's even like what i would call mood furniture right there's a couch mm-hmm. some leather chairs yeah yeah this place and is... we're sitting at the we're sitting at the table all uncomfortable like because we're right. not used to the new to the new microphone industrial strength arms and everything right but, uh, it's very impressive i'm excited me too yeah it, it's the same board and the same microphones. And the same Josh and Destry. That's right. And the same Josh and Destry doing our podcast. However, we have a new name. Josh, why don't you introduce our name now? Uh, yeah, it's, it's called the Deep Dive. Yep, Deep yeah. Dive Podcast. And we've been alluding to some changes that were coming. And we are now entering. We are now changed. We have now yes. changed. Our dives will be even deeper. That's right. We will deep dive. And uh, <laughs> the, the studio that we're in, it is, it is literally a studio. Yep. It is a podcast studio. We have two other podcasts as we speak with, with Pure, oh gosh, with uh, Marcus <laughs> Point. Uh, and those are, one of them is the Pour Over podcast. Yes. And the other one is with Pastor Godfrey. Um, get to the point, I think, is what the name of it is. I'm not, a, or to the point. Right. Something uh, with point in it, as, yes. as typically things are at Marcus Point. That's right. P.O. Yeah. And we I always add the T, the E at the end of it. Yeah, the E at the end of it. But but we are currently, this studio, I, I can't even begin to think about how many, how many thousands of dollars were spent in here and how much good this is going to do for everything that happens in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, every production, video production and audio production is going to, um, has leveled up because of this studio. Right. You know, it's, uh, it's quite impressive. You walk from outside, just outside the door to inside the door. Doing As with nothing most else. rooms. Well, that's what, that's how you do it. However, this time, <laughs> whenever you walk into this room, it feels like you put, you have put a set of headphones on mm-hmm. and it, everything is dead and the sound is, the acoustics are just wonderful. Right. It'd be interesting to find out how different it sounds mm-hmm. whenever we, uh, after we record and, and uh, drop this podcast. Yeah. You Let's wouldn't see. know it because of the sound deadening material in here, but there's actual other events going on at church at the moment. Yep. Sure. Uh, there's a huge group over in the, was the, the BTR? BTR, uh, right. What does that mean, by the way? I was just uh, talking to my wife the other day. What does BTR mean? I don't think right. I don't think I don't think it stands for anything now. It used to stand for something. I think it's like "Be the Revolution." Be the Revolution, or something think, like that. I think yeah. that's what it was. I think it was "Be the Revolution." I always just like 
my, my wife's a, a pastry chef and we are always buying butter in like 24, uh, 20 pound mm-hmm. increments. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we always joke about butter life and butter life. Yeah. And, and this, that's always what jumps into my mind when I go past there. Cause it's always <laughs> BTR life on butter life and it's butter life. <laughs> it is an active place, man. There's yeah. 300 kids in there every Wednesday and yep. Sunday. Great place. To Not have. today, actually. It's uh, the, one of the senior events. Right. No, the yeah. senior events. Yeah, the senior ministry. Uh, they are the most active ministry, maybe in this church, and, mm-hmm. and certainly most active ministry in Pensacola. Right. Um, it's uh, and they're in there right now doing a, a lunch and um, some entertainment. Yeah. Doing, doing a good job. They bring people from all over the the, uh, the city, not just from Marcus Point, but from all over the city. In and all that to say. This room we're in is pretty cool. It's a pretty cool room, man. <laughs> pretty cool room. It, it, it's going to take some getting used to, but we're going to, uh, you know, Josh and I haven't been here in three, two weeks. Yeah, I think we've, uh, this is, yeah, we, we've skipped the last two weeks. Skipped the last two yeah. weeks. However, however, the podcasts are going to be organized however the listeners get their podcast. This uh-huh. might be the first one. I don't know exactly how that's going to happen if we're going to mm-hmm. archive all the ones prior which is almost a hundred i don't know what's going to happen there yeah. but uh, this is the official first podcast of um, the deep dive podcast right. which is a spinoff of the continuing podcast of <laughs> right <laughs> of what was the josh industry gun club podcast yeah. and the marcus point podcast now the deep dive podcast so I believe it's in evolution. Con- yeah, just it's, in this it's sense. a very confusing history, but it's a very well established one. We've been doing this for about three years. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, I, and we're just kind of going with the flow. Hey, you guys want to do this? Sure. We've, we've, we've done. We've been consistent. That yeah. is the the one of the secrets to success is uh, consistency. And uh, uh, as I mumbled a minute ago, I believe in evolution. In this way, we have evolved. <laughs> right. There's no question about that. Right. Yeah. We have evolved. And and you know it, it's been uh, you know pr- pretty cool series of transitions. It has. Yeah. It now has. We, we resisted the the one transition where uh, we were the, the name Theo Bros was suggested, but I you know, didn't think it fit us. <laughs> it doesn't. I didn't think Theo Bros yeah. or something. You know, I'm <laughs> we're not really bro type people. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm a nerdy engineer, and, and I'm know. a 59 year old. <laughs> I don't know what I am. 59 year old man, not necessarily bro. It's not going to be on my tombstone. I don't I don't plan on it being on my tombstone. <laughs> this bro lived for. <laughs> Uh, perfectly, perfectly appropriate for younger men, perhaps. Mm, not Josh and I, although Josh is a lot younger than I am. Not by not by much. Not by much I'm in my mid forties. Uh, the older you get, yeah. the closer we get in age. That's that's what I've always told my brothers. The gap remains the same. The ratio increases. Yeah, it does. All right, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we had a great sermon this last Sunday. I wasn't here. Right. However. Uh, and this will be part of my uh, uh, testimony here in a minute of why Josh and I haven't gotten together in a couple of weeks. Um, sometimes life just, wow, it just throws you a curve really quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, the, the, the name of the sermon for the last couple of weeks have been is Divine Appointment. And this last one was, I think, the second one in a series. Yes. If I'm not mistaken, Divine Appointment. And Pastor Godfrey talked to us about uh, expect those divine appointments. I mean, you, everybody has them, and mm-hmm. how you cre- how you treat them um, could and will really affect the rest of your life. Uh, sometimes we respond positively to those, and sometimes we ignore, perhaps. Um, 
But if you're listening, go check out the the divine appointment um, uh, sermon uh, on our website, uh-huh. which is Pensacola Baptist uh, Pensacola Church dot org. There you go, Pensacola uh, Church. Yeah, or, and, and y- yeah, you can find. Um, uh, the the video or the audio of right. past sermons. That's right. Uh, they usually upload on a on a Tuesday after right. after it happens. It's on YouTube as well. We have a mm-hmm. YouTube channel. You can find it there. Great sermon. I was uh, um, called away um, a couple weeks ago, and and this is this is this is the the, the short story. Josh has heard this twice. So I, God has always called me to use my personal life to help teach whatever I'm teaching. Uh, whatever that whatever that means, uh, a gun club, pure friendship, special needs ministry, camera club, um, whatever it is, I, I've always just used my personal life, and this isn't going to be any exception. About two weeks ago, I was sitting in my room, my kitty's room. Uh, I have to, we have to separate our cats for certain reasons, and, and I always spend an hour with uh, with Bobby <laughs> um, in the morning before I go to work. And I'm sitting there, uh, it, it was a Monday, I usually take Mondays off, so I was just hanging out with him, playing with a string, his favorite string, and I looked out the window and I said, man, it's sunny, I know it's like a thousand degrees out there, I'm so glad I'm in here, it's 70 degrees, I'm almost chilly, it's so great, it's, you know, such a great life. God bless air conditioning. Absolutely. One of the greatest inventions love, of mankind. Lo- love the guy or girl who created it, absolutely. <laughs> um, so I'm sitting there playing with Bobby and his favorite string, and my phone rings, and I look down and see it says Lumberton, North Carolina. And uh, Lumberton, North Carolina is where I grew up from the third grade to wherever I went to college in Wilmington, which is about 60 miles away from Lumberton. And I was wondering why Kent didn't, why it didn't read Kent on the, the phone because Kent always calls me um, religiously once a week. Uh, we went through a period of uh, three years or so where we talked every day. Every day. And uh, lately, it's been about once a week. Uh, so anyway, I looked at my phone. said, Lumberton, North Carolina, this is where Kent lives. And I said, why didn't, you know, why isn't it saying Kent? I don't know. So I started thinking, well, everybody I know from Lumberton I love and want to talk to. So I picked the phone up. And it was his daughter, who is my god daughter, Kristen. Mm. And she says, daddy's in the hospital. And they don't expect him to live uh, very long. She didn't actually say don't expect him to live. She said something in a code. She couldn't bring herself to say what I just said. But right. that, that's what she meant. And uh, I said, Kristen, what do, you, what, do you, what do you mean? Normalcy bias. We talk about normalcy bias in uh-huh. gun club a lot. Normalcy bias is experiencing something that's out of the norm. <clears throat> Excuse me. Experiencing something out of the norm, and not being able to process it. Uh-huh. You're, I know what I'm hearing, but what do you mean? You know what? What are you talking about? And she said, "Daddy was sick this morning. He had an aneurysm, or he had a stroke, and the doctor said he has an aneurysm, and um, it should only be a couple of hours." And again, I said, "What do you? Uh-huh. What do you? What are you talking about?" Yeah, and then all of a sudden, I realized she can't bring herself to say it. Yeah, that's a hard hit, right? Real oh, quick. Oh boy! I mean, it was there was no warning mm-hmm. at all. Um, so I told her, "Okay, I'm 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 heading that way. This is a twelve hour trip, so I'm heading that way." So 
hung up the phone, started packing. I put it was strange, Josh. I just put, I put boxes yeah. next to the door, and I just started throwing things in the boxes, literally boxes. Just what am I gonna need? I have no idea how long I'm gonna stay. What I'm doing? Uh -huh. And she calls back and says that he had passed. And so I sat down, and I realized, well, there's no urgency That's now, right. so I can wait a little bit <coughs> rational thought and then all of a sudden it started overwhelming me about what this means uh -huh. my best friend has just passed away just died and i'm 12 hours away what right. a helpless feeling uh -huh. so helpless i couldn't I wanted to be there for the family i wanted to be there for Kristen, the friends but i couldn't do anything that's the selfish part of it, and then, and, and that's not really a situation where FaceTime is a, is a acceptable no, patch. It's not. You have to be there in person. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. not. That's FaceTime is 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 would be putting something else on the family. Yeah, you know what I mean. Something else that they that they're dealing with it. You know more than I am. There's his wife Dawn is the one who had to um, call the ambulances and, mm -hmm. and get the ambulance and, and get him out of bed but he couldn't get out of bed that morning he went to he went to bed fine uh -huh. but he couldn't get back out of bed he couldn't talk he looked he looked at dawn and, and she knew something was wrong so she called the ambulance and he never really regained consciousness after that so i started thinking about um what i was gonna do so i, I went and I volunteered my services to to uh, do the service because uh, the the church here has licensed me to be a, a pastor, so I can uh, marry people and do, do funerals and things like that. And they said, "Well, we know Kent would want that, so yeah, we want you to do, do the service." And I hung up the phone. This was the day after uh, I, I talked to him. Now, have, have you done a funeral before? Yes, I've done okay. one, one funeral, one funeral of a person that I didn't know, but it was uh -huh. a friend, uh, a friend's father. Right. Nothing like a best friend. Uh -huh. I didn't know how I was. I just volunteered myself, and I uh, I started envisioning me doing that. How was that going? <laughs> how am I going to work through that? Right. You know how how in the world is it? Is, am I going to uh, stand in front of however many people? and conduct this funeral uh, with grace. Right. And from that moment on, I felt God carrying me. Uh -huh. And I don't know how else to say that. Maybe a non-believer would describe it differently, uh, but I describe it as God uh, carrying me around. Uh -huh. Almost every inch. Because becoming um, aware intellectually that that a, a best friend has passed and then living that way uh it, it takes some uh, getting used to uh -huh. knowing it and, and actually living it um and that living it comes you know after the shock wears off and that's the only, only way i can describe it is shock it's just i don't really know what to do you're living in um uh you're living in this state of of uh, of shock. Mm -hmm. I've, I've heard some people describe it as like it's almost like you're outside of yourself. <clears throat> like you're, like you're taking cold medicine mm -hmm. and you're kind of walking around like that without without the sick feeling. Yeah, it, it, you're going through motions because your body has done it thousands of times. You're taking showers, you're going to work, you're doing these things. Um, but it, it's it, I, I don't wish it on anyone. Mm -hmm. But I started realizing 
this is a divine appointment. This is a divine appointment. And uh, to go a little deeper in, in the, the sermon that uh, Pastor Godfrey was, was giving, at, at this point, let me back up, at this point, I've heard one of the sermons, divine appointment, and the other one was coming the week after that. Um, in the sermon, Pastor Godfrey says, we can, we can rise above our circumstances. That's a quote from Pastor Godfrey. And I totally agree with that. We can rise, we should rise above our circumstances. And um, we know that there are going to be circumstances. As, as believers, we come to realize that uh, accepting Christ as our Savior doesn't mean that all the bad stuff has gone away. Right, Correct. Josh? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> we can yeah. all agree on that. Right? <laughs> There's going to be circumstances. And how we, how we deal with them I believe is differently uh, is different from a believer and non-believer. We deal with things differently. Mm-hmm. We, we, we have hope. We always have that ultimate hope of being with Christ and with our, our loved ones being with Christ. So that's the ultimate uh, hope, but we're still, we still go through these situations. Yeah. And I remember him talking about that too, because he, he, in his notes, he said, you know, a defining moment is a pivotal point in time mm-hmm. when you experience something that changes you. Defining moments usually rise rise above the everyday moments in life, and a defining moment can rewrite the way you think. That's a powerful statement there. A defining moment can rewrite the way you think. It can start you on a new path. In this situation, anybody's loss, and, and I'm only speaking with, with my situation now, losing Kent, uh, my life, you know, there's many things that define your life before and after, getting married, getting yeah. saved, having children. This was a defining moment in, in my life. There's things that happened before Kent died, and now there's things happen after Kent has passed. And it, it's definitely a defining moment. moment. And, and I look at it as a divine appointment, too. Now, at that right. point, I didn't really understand what it, and I still really don't. But it, it, if he gives us divine appointments for the positive, there certainly are some things that we're not going to like. Uh-huh. You know, I don't like this. I don't like losing a best friend. No, nobody does. But doesn't mean God isn't who He says He is. Right. Doesn't mean that He changed. He is the same. He is the God that's in control, and He orchestrates things. He makes appointments, and He orchestrates things. Um, funny thing is, He's never consulted me about that, though. <laughs> you know, He tends to not do that, right? <laughs> He didn't talk our, to me about it. Our a bit. job is to have faith in, yeah. you know, faith in the empirical evidence of the past, of, of things that he's done before, that's and that strengthen our faith. That's good, and that under understanding that as much as you can, and accepting that comes with wisdom. Uh-huh. It, it doesn't uh, it, it doesn't explain things necessarily. Perhaps that's one of the things that that helps us that helps us be carried through is knowing that he has everything under control. Right. So, um, the only thing that I can describe now, and this comes from spending, uh, several days with his family, my God, uh, daughter, Kristen, uh, my honorary God daughter, um, um, Kylie and, uh, Dawn, his wife, uh, is a, it's still a state of grief, mourning, and shock. 
we were all, there's something comforting about being around people that knew and loved the person that you've lost uh, and uh, grieving with them. And grieving doesn't necessarily mean all crying and wailing and all that. There was that. Mm-hmm. There's no, no question. But being around people that are experiencing the same thing that you are because of the very same situation is somewhat comforting because we allowed each other to go through these uh, grief moments mm-hmm. of, of just <coughs> starting to bawl, just starting to cry uh, from seemingly for seemingly no reason. But everybody knew what the reason, you know, we all know what the reason is. Um, but it might be in a very uh, strange place. Right. We were eating we went out to eat uh, the pizza uh, uh, the day after the the funeral, and I was sitting across the, across the table from from Don, his wife, and she just she started uncontrollably crying, and I was I just held her hand, and her daughter came next door and hugged her, no words, mm-hmm. we were just here grieving together, yeah, you know, and as comforting that is, it's man, it's painful, mm-hmm. gosh, it's painful seeing people that you love going through this pain, oh, it's so. Yeah, so painful to to see that. But he, I'm just speaking for myself. Whenever I spoke at the service um, outside, uh, within arm's reach of his casket, with probably 300 people there, mm-hmm. uh, he carried me during that whole thing. I could not have. I choked up a couple of times real quick but then moved on and said everything that I thought he wanted me to say to the mixed, very mixed group of people that were there. Hippies, yeah. um, uh, uh, people who will probably never step foot in this church, mm-hmm. especially not since it has Baptist on it. Right. Some people who would never step foot in a church. But I felt like God gave me the words to reach out to every one of them. Mm-hmm. And from the, uh, and I'm thankful for that. And I went over the whole thing with the family, and they approved it, and everything was good. But Kent was a person that uh, I was able to talk to, uh, and he was able to talk to me and disagree on a lot of things. But every time we hung up the phone, it was, I love you, I love you too, talk to you soon, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's very special. It's very, very, very special. And I learned uh, during those three, four days I was in Lumberton, North Carolina, that he was able to have those type of conversations with many, many, many people. Uh-huh. And it was all a non-judgmental type of conversation. And I asked people at the funeral, so why can't we all, wh- what has happened to us? Why can't we all do that? Why, why is it us and them now? Right. It seems to be us and them now. Um. And I just am so thankful for that relationship that I had with him and hope that um, I will be able to bring that to uh, other relationships because mm-hmm. I'm just as judgmental as the next person. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to be. I don't want to be, but I am. And I tend to well, – I think we all tend to flock around the people that are like us. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, Kent had just a, a, a plethora of different people that he hung out with. And, yeah. and there, many of them that were there, 300 people were there. I bet there are 300 more that wanted to be there that couldn't be there. But it was an eye-opening experience. 
one that you seem to have marked permanently. Yeah. Uh, I, you got some new ink. <laughs> <laughs> I do have some new ink. <laughs> I noticed the new Kent tattoo Yeah, yeah on your we, forearm last night. We went to, um, the whole family went to a, uh, a tattoo artist the day after his service, and we commemorated him, his memory somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of them had have, have already tattoos, and they did something uh, – Musical, because music was his his love language, mm-hmm. um, and I just simply got the the name Kent tattooed on my right forearm. It, it's a memorial. It is a memorial. All all of these things that you felt mm-hmm. are sort of encapsulated in the memory that's represented by that tattoo. With just the name. Yeah, that's all I wanted. I, I was thinking about what I was going to get, and I didn't know until that morning. I was mm-hmm. just kind of fretting over it. What am I? I don't know what to do. No. Kent, that's it. Yeah. I just I had to pick out the font, and, that, and I'm, I'm so glad that I did that. Um, just looking down and seeing his name, I'd never forget him, but I just looking down and seeing his name, like you said, it commemorates, it, it brings back a, a memory. And mm-hmm. slowly but surely, you know, I'm remembering the joyful parts, but uh, um, there's just, we, we, had, we have such a history together. Uh, yeah. Sixth grade, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm I'm 58. September be 59 years old. We met in the sixth grade, and we have not stopped being friends from then on. Right. Uh, that's you know that's a long, long <laughs> time, man. And that's a long, long time. But I think that was a divine appointment. Yeah. That whole thing changed my, my whole life. Changed that quick, and it can happen to anybody that quick. Right, you can lose something, or something can be added to your life—a sickness, an ailment, whatever. Mm-hmm. It can, it can, it can happen in a seemingly in a blink of an eye. Right, and oftentimes we don't know that the divine appointments happened until a long time afterwards, yeah, too. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah, true. that's why it, it's always important, um, n- not just to always be on the lookout for divine appointments, but to, to realize that divine appointments are happening all the time, mm. whether you know it or not, and always be sensitive uh, to, to God leading in your life. Right. Be, be open to it, right, and, mm-hmm. and to be willing to listen. It, it does make me wonder how many times I haven't listened, you know, mm-hmm. and is it, is it God and or is it just me thinking, right. thinking about it? Um, but I'll, I'll close with this, um, Josh. Um, A, a, a brief history of of uh, the last um, three weeks to a year. So um, we've lost my uncle George. We lost my uncle Eddie. Lost Kent on the way back from um, doing Kent's service. My wife called me and Facetimed with me and told me that we uh, that that one of my kitties um, has cancer, mm-hmm. and we had to uh, put her down while I was on Facetime. Um, and listen, I know some people are going to say, <laughs> be, laugh at that and that's okay. Um, but if I can say this with, with, uh, sincerity and not meaning to be ugly, I don't care. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care if you laugh at me. That's fine. My wife and I don't have kids. We, we have little fur babies and Callie was a 21 year old fur baby that, that we rescued and had her for, oh gosh, 10 years or so, maybe even more. Yeah. Well, there's still an emotional connection there, and it means something or, when they're not there anymore. I'm telling you what, because she would always snuggle up to my, my neck whenever mm-hmm. I sat down or snuggle in my lap or to my right or whatever. She was totally deaf and totally blind. So she, she you know, would smell me and lick me, and I was her everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was a good part of my, <laughs> my everything <laughs> on a daily basis. Um, 
And that was a shock too. I didn't know that was going to happen. I left yeah. and she was just pile it all on. Man, oh man, you know, I'm, I'm sitting, going, coming back from Alpharetta, Georgia, visiting my my sister in law. Who I think uh, Hope for letting me stay. Uh, Hope and Mark for letting me stay with them for a couple of days on the way back <clears throat> from Lumberton. And uh, it's so strange. I'm driving back in this car, and then right in uh, to the to the right is. Atlanta City, uh-huh. you know, we're going around Atlanta and in traffic, bumper to bumper, stopped, and I'm sobbing, uh-huh. saying goodbye to Cali. It's just a strange uh, mixture of <laughs> of environments and right. emotions, you know. And bless my wife's heart for having to go through that. She was really busy at work, and but anyway, she had, she took Callie to the doctor, and that's never, oh, it's just one of those situations uh-huh. that you don't like, and it's just part of it. Anyway, and uh, we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of losing my father, and uh, that's a lot of loss yeah. in a family, you know, it, it, it is, it's a lot of loss. On my mother, think about it, she's lost two of her brothers and her husband in the last year. That's a, that's a great deal of grief and uh-huh. loss. Um but still, we have to realize that God is the creator and the orchestrator of all this. Right. He, 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 he doesn't change his character, doesn't change what he's done, what he's going to do. It's just a matter of accepting these divine appointments, uh-huh. how you handle them and how you move on. Now, I have a tendency to, I have a tendency to isolate during these times. <laughs> I do. I isolate myself. And the reason I do that is because I lash out. Yeah. And I don't want to lash out. You know, it's inappropriate. I, I don't trust myself <laughs> whenever <laughs> I'm I'm grieving like this. Um, I almost went home last night, Josh, uh, uh, before the gun club, because I just thought, man, I, I don't want to be, I don't <laughs> want to be around people. Yeah. You know, it's, not, it's totally me. It's totally me. Well, that's why I texted you that one time. Like, do you need someone to yell at? Yeah, yeah, you sure did. Because <laughs> I'm fine with it. Yep, yep. I know you would be. It's not. I don't. I'm not angry. Right. You know? Yeah. It's, you just. It's. Uh, it's a pressure relief valve on a. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, on a high temperature container. How. <laughs> and how how you do that? Uh, personally, I have to be real careful how I do that. You know how I, how I let go of. Of things, and I think as we walk through life, when we expect these things to happen, um, it's not anybody's fault. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not. Even if you can blame somebody, um, boy, that's not going to do any good. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just not. It just uh, part of again, um, uh, gaining wisdom is how to deal with these situations. They're going to mm-hmm. come up. How are we going to deal with them without losing your testimony? Yeah. You know, I, I, how are you going to do that? Not. It's uh, different from person to person, but I just want people to listen and, and know that they're going to happen. With me, my relationship with Christ is, uh, it, it, uh, it prevents me from losing control. Right. And I don't mean crying. I'll cry. I know that. I don't mind crying. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm secure in my manhood. I'll cry all day long <laughs> if I want to. <laughs> I may do that later. Um, what I mean is don't lash out to other people and blame them and ruin a relationship. Mm-hmm. It can happen. You know, I, I have a tendency to do that, but I know I have to. So I, so I prevent that from happening. Yeah. Uh, on the converse side, if, if someone close to you lashes out at you after mm-hmm. experiencing grief, 
Give them a little grace. Right. There you go. Give a little it's, bit more grace. It's personal. <laughs> They're dealing with something. Right. That's right. <laughs> Just take it. And, and, and like you offered to me, be the soundboard. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to, I like your te- Josh sent me a text. Uh, uh, just checking up on you. How you doing? Uh, he knows how I can respond very abruptly, and he just gave me four, like four options. <laughs> do you want to talk? Do you want me to leave you alone? Do you want to do whatever? <laughs> what do you want to do? Just uh, text back one, two, three, or four. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember what I, what I said, but that was a good that was a good text. You know? <laughs> you know, I'm giving you four options. Which one do you want? <laughs> that's that's the engineer in you, man. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Um, that was good. So uh, uh, that's the divine appointments, as positive as, as uh, they can be, and many of them are. Um, I don't think Pastor Godfrey would mind if, if since we are the deep dive podcast, we'll deep dive a little bit, and, and we just deep dived a little bit into to, uh, expecting some negative ones also and mm-hmm. respond appropriately. However that is, let your friends know, you know, that you that you need a that you need some more grace, perhaps, right. whatever it is, but they're going to be there. Well, one of the one of the examples that he uh, that he alluded to this past Sunday in in part two of divine appointments was from Exodus three, and uh, Exodus three is talking about um, Moses being at the burning bush and God telling him it's time, uh, it, it's time for you know, God's people to be delivered from Egypt. And, you know, that that whole uh, experience, not just with Moses, because the, the deep dive isn't necessarily into what Moses was experiencing there, but just overall um, the, the relationship between Israel and Egypt and Israel and Canaan. Because, remember, God was... Uh, God was delivering Israel to deliver them into the land that He had promised them, mm-hmm. generate centuries ago. Right. Back in back in the days of Abraham, God said, uh, "You know, you're you're going to be the father of a great nation. Your nation, your uh, you know, that nation is going to have this land that I'm promising to them." But He also said, "You know, however." In, in between there, there's going to be 430 years where they're in a land that, that's not their own. And, you know, he was referring to, to the, their time in Egypt. And so uh, Abraham's son, Isaac, that promise was reconfirmed to him as well. Isaac's son, Jacob, that promise was reconfirmed to him as well. And the, the weird thing about that, though, is when you look at where Abraham and Isaac and Jacob were living during those times, they were kind of like in the promised land when God promised them that. So why mm-hmm. did God promise them, you know, I'm, I'm going to give you this, give your uh, your descendants this land, but then he would take them out of that land for 430 years mm-hmm. only to bring them back into that land that he had promised them. Like, why not stay there the whole time? And uh, not only that, but why why spend all that time in Egypt in, in dire circumstances where you're enslaved and all this stuff. And I think the key to that is in this one little bitty statement that God uh, made to Abraham when he was promising that. He said, until the iniquity of the Amorites is full. Because Canaan wasn't just occupied by Abraham. It was also inhabited by the, the Canaanites, the uh, another another way that they're identified as Amorites, right? Mm-hmm. And 
they were known for being uh, a group of people that were totally against God. They were very pagan in their beliefs and their practices and uh, in, in, in their idolatry, all that kind of stuff. And so why would you keep a fledgling nation uh, who already struggles with idolatry, why would you keep them in an environment where they're surrounded by pagan ideas and idolatry mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. Well, <clears throat> so fast forward, you know, 430, for almost 500 years to where, you know, we're now in uh, Judges and Ruth and, uh, you know, th- those books of the Bible where you have all of these, uh, all the people of Israel who are in Israel, they're in the promised land. They, you know, every family has land that's theirs. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. There's mm-hmm. prosperity, all this kind of stuff. How do you go from uh, being slaves in Egypt to that? And it, it, it's really a, a really diverse system of divine appointments. Because when you think of uh, Joseph's perspective, right? Remember, Mm -hmm. Jacob had 12 sons, uh, or 11 sons at this time, uh, Joseph being the youngest of them. And he was the hated brother because he was like the favorite, right? Mm -hmm. So his brothers came, threw him in a pit, claimed that he was dead, and sold him off to the Midianites. He became uh, a servant in in Egypt. And the divine appointment there was whose house he became a servant in. It was it was Potiphar's house, you know, one of the one of the high ups in the in the Pharaoh's hierarchy there. Mm-hmm. And you think, okay, good, he's he's got a, a, a good spot that he landed on a good good place in Egypt sure. until you realize, oh, his wife lied about him, got him thrown in prison. Well, that's bad. Well, then he encounters someone uh, in in prison who he helped interpret their dreams, and uh, you know that person ended up telling Pharaoh about Joseph, and Joseph was able to uh, influence Pharaoh's life to the point where Pharaoh even made him second in command of all of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, someone who whose uh, existence has been documented archaeologically and made a tremendous influence in in Egypt. Um, Still separated from his family at right. this point, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, and but the the subject of that uh, of that dream that he interpreted for Pharaoh was there's going to be three uh, three years of famine. Uh, I mean, three years of plenty and three years of famine. So why don't we make this plan where we prepare for that in advance and during the three years of plenty? Mm-hmm. And so the entire area went through the three years of famine after that. But it was Egypt that had made all of the stores and had saved up for this and really allowed Egypt to acquire so much land and wealth and property during this because all of the nations around them had to come to Egypt and, and barter for food, barter for their survival. And they did that by trans- by transferring either land or goods or services or you know some some wealth of some sort so that at the end of that three years of famine Egypt came out of that as being one of the most powerful nations in the world at that time and one of the wealthiest nations in the world at that time and also uh, the the Israelites were part of Egypt uh, for, for several hundred years after that and while they were enslaved in Egypt they were they were being kept safe from the idolatry and the wickedness of the Amorites that was happening in the promised land at that time so they were spiritually they were being protected from that even though physically they were being they were enslaved in Egypt mm-hmm. 
So then you get to Exodus chapter uh, chapter three, which uh, a pastor was alluding to, where God appears to Moses and says, "Okay, now it's time to go. Uh, it, it's time to go uh, inform Pharaoh that God's people need to be let go now." Mm-hmm. And, and so we have that in, that entire uh, account of the ten plagues and all that stuff, which God said specifically, "I'm, I'm going to do those yeah. uh, so that you know." I'm more powerful, and so the world knows that I'm more powerful than the gods of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, at the end of that tenth plague, the uh, Israel leaves not just not just happenstance like they just leave Egypt, but no, they leave and are given much of the wealth of Egypt, much of the wealth that was accumulated during those times of famine and during the time where uh, Egypt was this really powerful nation, all of that stuff that they accumulated, God had been saving up and storing for a time when Israel would leave bondage in Egypt mm-hmm. and would be equipped for their time through the uh, through the you know the wilderness and all that stuff and would be equipped going into a promised land that had already been cultivated and developed and all this stuff and made ready for them during those 430 years. Yeah. So they come to a land that's been prepared for them and they come to that land with the riches of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of that stuff, God had had planned centuries in advance Mm -hmm. and had accomplished through uh, a a ton of divine appointments, both seemingly good and seemingly bad, you know, Mm. a a burning bush appearing, you know, God appearing to Moses in in the wilderness in a burning bush, good, you know, seemingly good divine appointment, right? Mm -hmm. Joseph being thrown into a pit by his brothers and sold into slavery, seemingly bad appointment right uh but they were divine nonetheless Mm -hmm. joseph being thrown into prison you know bad appointment him being appointed second in command under pharaoh good appointment uh so our our view of what's good and what's bad are are completely different than god's view of what's (laughs) good and what's bad and and joseph even alluded to this when he was talking to his brothers after they were reunited Mm -hmm. you know because his brothers were apologizing left and right like ah we were so sorry we we hated you and we Mm -hmm. threw you into slavery and all that joseph said no god put me here for this Uh, and you know you you may have meant it for bad Mm -hmm. and it it may have seemed bad at the time but there was a plan there Mm -hmm. this was a divine (laughs) this was something that god had set up because uh you know, here again, what was the end result of that? Yeah. Is God's people in a land flowing with milk and honey, and, and they go to that that land with all the riches of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just amazing how we often, you know, like we said before, we're often participants in divine appointments, and we don't even know it. Right. Which is why it's important to, to constantly... Uh, be of the mindset of following, following God's leading, or, or, or being open to God's leading, even the, when we don't know that He's leading us. Josh, <laughs> is it fair to say, you know, we see fifteen minutes when God sees twenty-four hours, right? We see we're, we're live our our whole life is fifteen minutes, and whenever His life is, at, oh yeah, eternity, He He right? sees the end from the beginning. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, and, and we're we're stuck in the. You yeah, know, the, the we're now. we're on one parade float, and he's in the Goodyear blimp. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. That's right. It's true, and, and it doesn't it doesn't take away from the legitimacy of of uh, 
our perceived um, um, grief mm-hmm. and mourning. You know, oh, yeah. We still experience pain yeah. and yeah. grief and mm-hmm. sorrow and things like that. That's but right. as Christians, though, there's there's an underlying hope that that the world doesn't have. That's right. Because mm-hmm. from the from the secular perspective, this is the subject of this is the the result of randomness yes. or mm-hmm. something, right? Mm-hmm. But as Christians, we can know I am God's child. I might be coming. I might be going through a storm, and that storm may be absolutely horrible for me right now. Yeah. But I know ultimately who's in control of all this stuff, right. and he might not calm the storm, but he might calm me. But but he does promise to calm me in the middle of that storm. He ge- he gives us the again being open to the comfort that he can give us is is something that I think we we can pay attention to also. Josh, on the way back from on the way from Alpharetta, uh, I'm sorry, from uh, Lumberton to Alpharetta, the last two weeks, you know how in the Seinfeld episode, whenever um, uh, I think it was George and Jerry and the mailman was in a car and they were saying, what, what is today? It's Monday. It doesn't feel like Monday. It feels mm-hmm. like Tuesday. Tuesday doesn't have a feel. <laughs> Wednesday has a feel. Thursday has a feel, right? Yeah. Days tend to have feelings. You know? Right. They, it feels like certain. The days had no feeling. Mm-hmm. I honestly, I, I would, I'd wake up and I had no idea what day it was. Mm-hmm. I know that this is... Uh, the day of the viewing, and, and I know that that means the day after that is the day of the funeral. Mm-hmm. But at, uh, but no day had a feeling, mm-hmm. you know. On the way back from Georgia, I'm so uh, Lumberton going to Georgia. I'm driving down the highway. Had no idea how far I was gonna go. I was gonna go until I got got tired. I couldn't figure out what day it was. I didn't look at my watch. I didn't mm-hmm. know. Had no clue, and it didn't. Honestly, it didn't matter. Uh-huh. It ha- it had no bearing on me at that. The time. onslaught of grief grief had numbed you to a lot of things. Man, I tell you what, it was no, it it still is. But at mm-hmm. that point, particularly, I was by myself driving cruise control. By the way, dynamic cruise control—that's a good thing, man. <laughs> yes, you never had it. Good thing it'll slow you, slow you, you know, keep you a certain distance from yep. the car in front of you. I use that all the time. Oh, it's so beautiful. <laughs> Um, so I'm just, I'm, I'm going along and, and cruising. I get a, uh, a message on my phone. Watch Marcus Point Baptist Church live. <laughs> I said, it's Sunday. Yeah. And not knowing, listen, not knowing it's Sunday, <laughs> you know, I was in a different place, you know? Yeah. So I, I, I admit, I turned my phone on and I put it in front of the, the speedometer and I sat and I watched the sermon. Mm-hmm. And that was a tool that he gave me to start building up getting past this. Yeah. You know, and I sat, we, we, we you and I have a, a kind of a, a man crush on the, on the bass player here. <laughs> <laughs> and I told him this last night. Um, I'm uncomfortable describing it that way. <laughs> I'm not, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. Uh, but I was, I was just sitting there, I was watching Jeremy, our, our uh, worship leader and everybody else. My goodness. If you've never been here, you've got to yeah. come to see them. If nothing else, come to see our worship team. My goodness gracious, such a great time. Yes. And I'm watching, and I'm loving it, and I'm crying, and I'm just, you know, all these mixed emotions come up. And I hear a bass player do two two runs mm-hmm. from the bottom to the top of the neck. <laughs> he did the same thing. I went, man, that is That's fantastic. a fairly accurate representation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Clean, quick, crisp, yeah. awesome. And just that... 
it lifted me. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just lifted me up. I especially love watching when that happens because oh, at so the good. end of that run, it's almost always like he'll like do some sort of nod like, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Especially exactly when, like, what I meant to do. When, when, he and, when he and the drummer do uh-huh. something together and oh, like yeah. afterwards they'll like give each other a subtle <laughs> nod. It's so cool to watch. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Watching the worship team, not yep. just the singers, but uh-huh. what's going on, you know, right behind the singers. Yep, it's, yep, yep, yep. It's always it's always entertaining. It is entertaining, <laughs> and you're an ex drummer, and I'm an ex drummer, so we know that bass players and drummers yep. communicate. They're yeah. the backbone of there's the a music. simpatico there that has, has to, to exist. Be. Yeah, if it doesn't exist, you know it. You might not know mm-hmm. something as a listener. You know something's off somehow, something. <laughs> but if they're on, you you don't know that either necessarily. Right. You just know that it's right. Uh, but I just I took that joy mm-hmm. uh, as just a tick in the right direction yeah you know what i mean so i i think as we're going through this grief or if you're going through grief mm-hmm. be on the lookout not for just divine appointments that will affect the rest of your life but the little things yeah. too the little joyful things that you've loved you know that just give you a kick right just give you a smile hey a smile is a tick in the right direction man yeah it's in the right uh, a, a small a subtle divine appointment where god brings some comfort Perhaps he's saying, "Look, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm still here." And as a believer, we know you're still there. Yeah. But it's nice to get that confirmation. Yep. You know what I mean. But anyway, Josh, hey, do you mind praying for us as we as we leave? Sure, I'll All do right, that. No problem. Right, excellent. Let's do it. All right, God, thank you so much for the opportunity, Destry, and I have had to to sit here in the new studio and mm-hmm. and hash out a bunch of stuff. Lord, it's so amazing to think about um, how much you care about us, how much you love us, um, even to the point where you know someone of your magnitude cares about the, the 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 griefs and things that we go through and you purposefully set aside divine appointments to comfort us to help us through those things lord help us to never um help us to never take that love that you have for us for granted help us to be able to to communicate that to others around us help us to be accurate reflections of your love in a in a world that seems to be more and more driven by hate lord jesus name amen Amen. thank you josh appreciate you being here thanks for making time and uh we will see everybody next week we will actually let's give a couple of things josh what our phone number 850-479-8337, and our website is... PensacolaChurch.org. You're going to have to do most of these because usually we have a screen up yep. in front of both of us, and that's I can right. act like I have it all down. Yep. Uh, but you have the screen that's today. Right. <laughs> that's right, I do. Those, those are the two main things. Yeah. Uh, listen, you can find us on, on YouTube, all the social channels, uh, wherever uh, you get your information, you can find us. Look up um, Marcus Point with an E, and you'll usually find something that relates to us. There you go. <laughs> I think that's good enough. Hey, uh, Pensacola Campus, Beulah Campus, Pace Campus. Mm-hmm. We're going to have a Navarre Campus bef- before long. Yep. Um, in 20 years, we're going to have a Mars Campus. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, come see us in person on Sundays and uh, Wednesdays. We have great Wednesday night uh, worship classes. Uh, we just started. Uh, yet Last night was our first uh kind of semester or, mm-hmm. or, or, or term uh, uh, um, classes. So uh, you can you can join any time, but now is a good time because we're just starting. Um, what's the study that we're all doing? Uh, it's now? a six-week study on First John. Yeah, on First yeah, John. We, we did the introduction last week. So um, everybody in church is going through uh, a week of devotionals on John chapter 1, and um, we're reconvening next week to go over the next week. There you go. It's a lot of fun, and I hope to hope we hope to see you uh, 
on Sunday and Wednesday. If not, just listen to our podcast as part of how uh, how the church and how Josh and I particularly connect to God, one another, and a... Lost World. There you go. I remember that one. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. We'll see you yeah. next week. See ya. Bye.